Happy Wednesday to you here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard, the only place to get your daily Syracuse podcast. We're with you Monday through Friday. Check out the show on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse. Tim, pretty eventful last couple days for Syracuse, both on the football and basketball recruiting trail. We'll also talk about the basketball tournament because that bracket got released yesterday. How about how legit TBT is these days? Yeah, a selection awesome. show yesterday. I'm going to give you my initial thoughts when I first heard of TBT when we get to the Bayheim's Army Ooh, stuff and how be good. it has absolutely changed since then. So um, one thing I want to hit off the top, though, before we get into Cody Roscoe and the defensive end transfer that Syracuse picked up is worth noting that Dwight Freeney added to the College yeah. Football Hall of Fame ballot. He's joining Marvin Harrison on the list. You know what's crazy to me? So Dwight Freeney, he's been out of the out of college football now for almost 20 years, and he's getting on yeah, the ballot too long. now. <laughs> right. And if you just look through some of the names, I mean, there's guys on the list who are in the NFL Hall of Fame that aren't in the College Football Hall of Fame. Like I saw Dan Hampton's name, I think, is still on the list. He was a Hall of Famer, 85 right. Bears, one of the best defenses of all time, and he's still on the College Football Hall of Fame, trying to claw his way into Atlanta. So. It, it, this must be the most impossible Hall of Fame to get into. Yeah, that, <laughs> just looking at some little... of the names on the list. Marvin Harrison's not in the list. Right, or is not in the Hall of Fame, but he's on the list still. And Dwight Freeney is just getting added to the list. I'd love to to talk to someone about what the eligibility standards are there. It doesn't seem like there's much. Yeah, what do they pick names out of a hat or something? <laughs> Seriously, I, I don't get it. It's. It, <laughs> Listen, the NCAA is going to NCAA, so yes. uh, let's get into a new defensive end, not an old defensive end. Let's, let's close the yearbook here. Cody Roscoe, 6'1", 250-pound defensive end, a transfer coming from FCS's McNeese State, where he was actually coached by Sterling Gilbert, who is now on the offensive side of things for Syracuse, but he was the head coach at McNeese State back in 2019 for the Cowboys. Interesting, though, that Vincent Reynolds was the primary recruiter, despite the fact that there was this prior connection with Gilbert, but I'm sure Gilbert kind of patched him through the way to get to Cody Roscoe. He's going to need a waiver to play, but it does look pretty likely that he can get that because McNeese State was banned from the upcoming postseason due to the team having a low APR. So this is someone that it's looking like might be able to come in and play right away. Yeah, and he'll just have one year of eligibility, which... Correct, yep. You know, when I first heard McNeese State defensive end transfer, maybe kind of like your thoughts on TBT. I I wasn't blown away, and now I feel much better about it after digging through and seeing the stats. And maybe if you're just hearing McNeese State defensive end transfer, you're not that blown away. I'm not saying this is a season-altering addition or anything, and again, he's got to get the waiver, but nine sacks last year... You watch the tape, definitely not the same type of player as Kendall Coleman or Robinson. He is just 6'1", so doesn't have as much length. Honestly, probably would be better suited for playing the inside, maybe, if he just put on some more weight, given that he's only 6'1". But he brings some game experience, and I don't think they'll shift him to the inside, considering we're literally, I mean, we don't know if the season's going to start on time, but assuming it does then we're right around the corner from this thing starting. It's probably too little too late to have him shift positions, and especially when you're trying to make this leap to the ACC already. But I think Roscoe's got a pretty good tape, and 
frankly, kind of a position that could have used some help. I think the Syracuse defense is a pretty big question mark going into next season, implementing a new system, new defensive coordinator. It's weird I'm saying that because they have the best safety in the country, according to Lindy's, and I think most would argue a consensus All-American safety in Andre Sisco, but a lot of young players with not a ton of game experience and a lot of players that have a lot to prove outside of that. So happy to see they got an addition to an area that kind of needed it a little bit. Yeah, Syracuse going to have to replace both those defensive ends, but not just that. They're going to have to replace their top four guys in sacks. So a lot to be bolstered on the offensive line. And Lakeem Williams also in that group worth mentioning too. But uh, one, one thing that I will say about um, uh, Cody Roscoe is the fact that he he says he has other Power 5 offers, but he wouldn't say exactly which ones they are. I'm, I'm not quite sure why he wouldn't disclose that those, but <laughs> this was a guy who was trending up. And, and yeah. you saw the steady growth while he was at McNeese State. Two and a half sacks his freshman year. That almost doubles to, to four and a half the next year. Then that doubles to nine by his junior year. Second on the team by half a sack. Here's one of the interesting stats for you. Ten pass breakups. So this is yeah, a guy who's shocking. got a nose for the football. Right. And six he, he's one, good at batting too. down passes. Yeah, six foot one. So he, he's got the arms. He's got the instincts too. And I think that's one of the things that separates the guy who's coming from the FCS level and transferring up to FBS, or, or the same can be said about Juco going to, to FBS, is that when you've got the instincts, that's certainly going to help you. And yeah. that'll make the transition a little bit easier when you've got that feel for the game. He started a number of games with McNeese State, and the sack numbers are nice, but he gets into the backfield regardless. 11 tackles for loss, also led the team with eight quarterback hits. So he's getting into the backfield. He's disrupting behind the line of scrimmage, and that's going to be something that Syracuse needs because, again, you're losing a lot of guys who produced a, a good amount and, and brought a lot of pressure up front. Yeah, I mean, I think we like Josh Black. We like Kingsley. There's a there's still some guys coming back that we've seen some things from, but not quite in the role that they're going to have to play this season. And you mentioned the pass breakups, and that just makes me think about versatility because that's what's so needed in this 3-3-5 defense. And we've already seen it a little bit on the recruiting trail. I feel like they're trying to get players that maybe could play a little bit on the inside, play on the outside, do some pass coverage if they need to in terms of the defensive linemen. So I think Roscoe is someone that has some versatility to his game. I like seeing those pass breakup numbers because it just shows that, as you said, he's instinctive. He's got a nose for the football, which is never a bad trait to have. He was second team all-conference in his conference that he's coming from, from McNeese State. So maybe there will be a little bit of a learning curve. It's kind of tough, tough circumstances to be thrown into ACC football without a ton of the normal preseason schedule and the buildup to it. But he's been playing football for a while. He even did play a little bit of 3-3-5 defense, I noticed, in his tape. So perhaps that helps him as he sort of makes this transition as well. Last thing I'll say before we move to some basketball stuff here, Syracuse, especially under Dino Babers, has done a pretty good job at getting transfers on the defensive line. 
Alton Robinson, obviously the name that, that comes to mind. He was a fourth round pick by the Seahawks. And then on top of that, Dejon Wilson, who they got from Colorado, he was solid in a reserve role, only had the one year to play for Syracuse, but he was pretty good. And Brandon Barry, even though it's a, a JUCO guy, yeah. he ends up leading the team in sacks last year. So he made an impact too. So Sy- Syracuse has done a very good job under Dino Babers of getting production out of transfer defensive ends. I don't know if it's a good job by Vincent Reynolds and the rest of the defensive staff of getting these guys ready and making that transition seamless, acclimating them really quickly, but something's working. So you, you got to tip your hat in, in that regard right there. Yeah, that's crazy. Barry led the team in sacks. I mean, I saw that too, and I was very shocked. Yeah. You've got two guys that are now playing in the NFL. (laughs) At the beginning of the year on that, the highest sack or the most sacks from a Syracuse player would be Brandon Barry. I mean, Kendall Coleman and Robinson were uh, highest odds maybe in the entire ACC going into last season. That kind of shows you how wonky last season was. I didn't even know that. That's a pretty interesting stat. Yeah, I was just as surprised as you when I dug that up today. All right, before we get to some basketball recruiting stuff, Tim, it's pretty much impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. But hey, guess what? That doesn't mean you don't need to repair your car and maintain it as well to save money. That's where Rock Auto comes in. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, maybe even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? RockAuto.com also offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market is like. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or account login at all. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and DIYers. why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck and don't forget write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you again right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we're the ones who sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com Jim Beheim been a busy man on the recruiting trail, trying to bolster that class of 2022. And when I say bolster, you may be thinking, well, they already have the number one class in the country right now, Tyler. Yeah, they do. (laughs) But this could be a historically good Syracuse class that we see come in, hopefully headlined by Dior Johnson. Again, he is a verbal commit right now. None of that stuff is binding until signing day. And I mean, even we've seen in the past, signing day doesn't necessarily mean it's binding either. So we'll uh, we'll see how all of this transpires, but they are hitting it hard now that the live period is in play. They offered four-star wing Ty Rogers, 6'4", 180 pounds out of Grand Blanc, Michigan. And when I watch Ty Rogers, the first thing that I see, and a number of you probably said, wing, 6'4", he <laughs> can't be 6'4". Because when you watch how he plays yeah. above the rim... He does not play like a 6'4 guy would play. 
Yeah, he's not the 6'4 that Chance Westry is, and Westry actually has 10 pounds on him. We've talked about how Westry could maybe develop into a wing, and I think they're sort of visualizing him to get to that forward spot of the 2-3 zone, and maybe that'd be good because you've already got, hypothetically, Dior and Joe Girard's senior season in this 2022 class. So I think it's noteworthy that they're going after, you know, we talked about Walker yesterday on the podcast now we're talking about rogers they're going after that forward spot and that's what we've talked about you will have benny williams in his sophomore season so assuming he he could play like a four level i mean when we talked with goody he was saying how yeah this coaching staff can see him as a potential four spot on this team Or, or they want someone with some versatility and that's something that benny williams could bring yeah no doubt and ty rogers game specifically is No doubt impressive. He's been good for a really long time in Michigan. He was highly touted as a 7th and 8th grader, kind of was an early grower. Right now sits 65th nationally in the class on 247sports.com, so that's firmly in that four-star range. He's the 18th best small forward. I saw, you know, he's from Michigan, so we've seen Syracuse has had some ties to that area in the past. I think this is right in their wheelhouse of someone they could get and someone that is even more enticed to come to Syracuse when he sees Dior Johnson already committed as a five-star, of course. Yeah, you mentioned how they're really targeting wings, and I think that's important because we've talked about in the past how this is a team that has a very, very good backcourt, at least in theory right now on paper, in 2022, you're going to have a senior Joe Girard and you're going to have a one-and-done candidate in Dior Johnson. At least that's the assumption and right Richmond, now. too, as a and, junior. Yeah, and, and yeah, so you're going to have an ex- both a, a great blend of experience, skill, and skill and experience. So that's something that I think Syracuse is going to be rock solid at the guard position or, or just the backcourt in general for these next, what is that, three years now? Yeah. And that that's something that... Syracuse has had good guards, but there has been a little bit that you would have wanted out of some of these guys in the past. Now, looking forward with with Rodgers, I think that when you're looking at it this way and you see them targeting all these wings, it seems like they're recruiting under the assumption that Alan Griffin is getting a waiver because when I think they, they feel very firm in that belief. If they're going after all, I mean, we've seen the the wing offers come in hot and heavy so far this week. So I'm thinking that, I'm not saying they know something, but they feel really good. Maybe they do know something. We we don't know. But they feel really good about Alan Griffin getting that, that waiver to move closer to home. So if that is the case, Alan Griffin would not be on the roster in 2022. Unless there was some crazy redshirt thing, maybe he battles some injuries or or whatever. Yeah. But it looks like he is going to get that waiver. At least that's the way it seems like Syracuse is recruiting right now. I just feel it's so much fun to talk about 2022. And I I could never... Can we fast forward already? (laughs) Right, I know. I could never get tired of it. It's I, I just want it to come. And there's never been... I mean, I shouldn't say there's never been because people will get upset. But it feels like we have not had this much hype for a Syracuse class in a while. And maybe the hype's a little bit too high, but based on what they're doing, you know, you go through who they've offered so far in this cycle. You already got Dior, of course, at the point guard position. You've also offered J.J. Starling, 
six-foot point guard locally, plays at Baldwinsville High. Beheim was talking to him on the phone. Uh, I think someone reported yesterday, so seems like they're still active in pursuing him, even though you have D-war. A lot of teams going after him, too. Yeah. I mean, all these guys are I think big I saw names. like a dozen coaches offered him or something, or, or right. at least contacted him yesterday. I know Wake Forest uh, definitely offered Star Lane, and he doesn't have the highest rankings right now, but he'll be a top 50 kid by the time this yeah he was top 60 in that espn 60 that got released for 2020 yeah so right and all these guys are pretty high um in terms of the espn rankings i did see and i'm blanking on the name it was prep hoops i think put out their new rankings and they had dior 11th in the 2022 class so i'm getting excited for dior to somehow quote tweet that and and throw some shade on those. <laughs> They're next. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He, he will, uh, he won't be too happy when he sees that, but yeah, you know, to go on down the list of who they've offered, we know Zion Cruz, Chance Westry, Roddy Gale. That's at the shooting guard position. I mean, those are, those are all huge guys. Like if they get one of those guys, it's a great class to tie to Dior along with Starling. And then small forward Walker seems like kind of the pipe dream eighth nationally, who we talked about yesterday, but Ty Rogers, Chris Bunch, they're still, Firm, firmly in that top 100. Bunch is 83rd nationally. Rogers 65th. Jan Farrell is really the only guy, the other small forward they've offered in this 2022 cycle that isn't like a clear cut four star or better. So just the way that they're going after these top 100 guys, it feels good to see it. It feels good to see that there's a lot of conversation around Syracuse in this class. And I think they're really going to try and just pounce and really capitalize on already getting Dior in their pocket early on. I mean, no other team has that right now. Dior is literally the only five-star that has committed in this cycle, and he's one of, like, two top 100 players to commit in this cycle, and he's the fifth best in the cycle. So you have that in your back pocket. Now it's about trying to capitalize. He's promised that other players are going to come, and I think it's just really fun because – we're going to be talking Seems about Seems like he's delivered on some of that too. Yeah. Already. It does. I mean, he, he's been talking about Benny Williams and right. Frank Anselm and, and how he's been in the ear of some of those guys. And Benny said the same thing when he committed that he and Dior are going to continue to recruit some of these other guys and Q's basketball is back and that whole thing. So it's refreshing to talk about a class and, and be this upbeat about it since Hopkins left, because I know a lot of people, including ourselves, who are a little bit down on how recruiting is. But I look at this class, and just based on the level of talent they've offered, it just makes me feel better about where Syracuse basketball is trending. Right. And the one thing that I have to say when we're talking about this 2022 class, if you don't see anyone commit by, I mean, even like January. Yeah. Patience. It's a good pa- point. I mean, this is these kids are sophomores. Okay, so right. patience with this process. You're still a long ways away. They're not playing until 2022. You've seen how how long 2020s felt so far. Yeah, put it 2022 this way. is a long, long time away. Right. So have a little patience with this. You're not going to see it necessarily come all to fruition overnight. This is going to be a long, drawn out process. I mean, we're see- we saw Frank Anselm. He committed. Less yeah. than a month ago, for for some of these guys, that is that's a year and, and that's about two years from now. It is, yeah. When they would be committing, so that that's that that that's what I'll say. Have a little patience with this too. Yeah, 
that's a great point. I'm, I'm getting maybe a little overexcited over here, but and you know, think about it this way: if that that's my job, I have to temper you down a little. <laughs> I, I know I gotta, the yin and the yang, the yin <laughs> and the yang. It's perfect. It's perfect. But we haven't talked about football 2022 at all, and I know that right. it's not apples to orange or apples to apples is the expression, but I mean that shows you like I don't think Duke is or. Maybe that's a bad example. I don't think all these other schools in the ACC are like this invested in 2022 already. So that is a great point because just because we're we have 2022 on our mind so much does not mean that some of these players aren't going to commit for literally a year and a half. And I think most people realize that, but you'll have to be patient throughout this process. But I, I'm very optimistic that one of Cruz, Westry, Gale. Even Rogers, Starling, throw his name into it. One of those guys is going to commit. And I feel like if it's Cruz, then maybe Starling doesn't come. There's going to be some of that because there is some position overlap here. But I like where they're at. I like where they're at more than I have in a very long time for a basketball class. Yeah, I'm with you. Just to tie off some things here with Rogers, I mentioned six foot four, but you can see how long and lanky he is. You know he's going to grow a little bit more. And even though he says it says six foot four, like I mentioned, he does not look or play like he's six foot four. I mean, you don't see six four guys doing put back dunks, and that's what's on his tape. And he's got yeah. that ability to play above the rim at not that big of a height. The offers that he has right now, Florida State offered him uh, this yesterday as well, along with Syracuse. He also has picked up offers from Houston, Marquette, an in-state from Michigan, and Ohio State, another Big Ten power. And he's receiving interest from Louisville, in-state Michigan State, and Wisconsin. And I'm sure there's going to be a number of other schools that come knocking on his door yeah. over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about TBT and Bayheim's Army and everything going on with Kevin Belby and the crew in just a little bit. But first, the Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. In the month of June, Locked On is matching the total donation of all hosts up to $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. That's Locked On Podcast podcast.com slash black lives matter hey if you've been a fan of the locked on syracuse podcast you've heard us raving about built bar for weeks now because built bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar it comes in countless flavors my personal favorite continues to change seemingly week by week right now I'm all in on the peanut butter brownie as being my go-to in the built bar department and Built Bar right now is doing something absolutely awesome. For this week only, you can get up to 50% off everything on their website, BuiltBar.com. And on top of that, all profits will be donated to various charities that are fighting against social injustice. If you go to BuiltBar.com, you can also use our promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Again, BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. It's not going to be baseball. It's not going to be the NBA, not the NHL. No, it's going to be TBT as one of our first major team sports that's getting back into action here on American soil. And we're, we're now less than a month away until TBT gets going. And I'm excited for this, and I, I am going to pay off my thoughts on 
how TBT has evolved over these past couple of years. But let's get into it. Bayheim's Army, the third overall seed. You know, I got the notification on my phone, Tim, and it said, Bayheim's Army, a three seed. And I was like, what the heck? A yeah. three seed? Because I <laughs> right. thought they were going to do like four pods of four. And, and, and of course, there's the playing games, too. I'm thinking... They're one of the last seeds in this thing that, that has a buy. And then, nope, I, I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. That They're the third overall seed. So I don't know if I read it wrong or if or if ESPN did a poor job of transmitting that Let's information. Let's just blame ESPN. And <laughs> end of the day, I should have used my head and realized that they weren't going to pot it that way and that it was going to be a – they're basically going to seed teams one through 16. So Bayheim's Army, you and I have gone over this already – pretty stacked roster this year probably one of the more talented rosters that Kevin Belby has put together maybe the most yeah Yeah, I would agree so they're the only team with four or more first rounders on the squad when you look at Malachi Richardson Tyler Lydon Chris McCullough Dante Green so you've got talent on this roster along with some veteran presence in TVT when you got guys like John Gillen Eric Devendorf some guys who have had success in this style of play where it's win or go home. Yeah, I saw Seth Greenberg, who is always pretty tied to the TBT scene. I think he calls some of the games. Him and Fran Fraschilla, yeah. They're they're yeah. huge TBT <laughs> they're advocates. Right. And I, I think Greenberg is um always pretty tied to Syracuse as well, it seems like. He and loves Bay I mean both of them I feel like yeah, love Bayheim. Who doesn't love Bayheim? All those media people love him. Raftery well, even Beheim's Army, too. Not just Beheim, Beheim's Army. I mean, they yeah. love this team year in, year out. They always, you always see Kevin Belby getting added by those two around this time because yeah. they, they like to pump the tires on Beheim's Army more than any other national figures. Yeah. So Seth Greenberg said Beheim's Army is the most talented team in TBT. And he's pretty high on how much talent is in the field this year. I saw Joe Johnson's playing. He's playing for Overseas Elite, which is... Yeah, so that's going to be a, a pretty, pretty talented roster there. If yeah. Adding Joe Johnson. Right. And they've dominated. I think they won four in a row up until last year. And that was the Ohio State alumni team that is now renamed yep. to Carmen's Crew. So they're coming back. It's in Columbus. Kind of got the hometown feel thing. And Ohio State's the one seed. Overseas Elite, the two. And then there's Bayheim's Army. I think this is the best Bayheim's Army team so far. And they kind of underperformed a little bit relative to maybe expectations or I think what they could accomplish. Last year felt like they should have gone at least one more game further, couldn't even get out of the Syracuse Regional. Now you start in the Sweet 16, it's going to be closer games. I mean, they kind of have rolled over Gale Nation or some of these other teams early on in the previous couple years of playing in this. Now you start in the Sweet 16 or the round of 16, so... They're going to either play the Purdue alumni team, which is a good team. When we looked at the roster, we were pretty surprised. I know you were saying that it's basically the Purdue team from like two, three years ago. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, all those guys played together just to go through it. So it's Men of Mackey, PJ Thompson, Isaac Haas, Ryan Klein, Grady Eifert, Evan Boudreaux. These are all guys who graduated from that program not too long ago. And a lot of those guys played in that Elite Eight game against Virginia, one of the the best NCAA tournament games of the last couple years. A lot of those guys were in that game and watching Carson Edwards get buckets. They didn't do a lot of the bucket getting, but they watched Carson Edwards put up 
I think it was over 40 points on Virginia. Yeah, right. Now that was at least 40 because it went to overtime too. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be fun, man. I'm really excited. I, I hope they they just overachieve this year. I hope they go, they can make it to the final, especially when you consider, what's it, three wins, and then boom, you're in the championship. Right. Given where yeah. they're starting with the bye. So their first game's July 7th for those that are, interested in following it and frankly there's not many other sports out there so if you've ever contemplated watching getting into it i think this is an awesome year to do it it's going to be kind of fascinating just to see our first no fan american basketball too and see the sights and sounds of that i'm sure it'll get better ratings than maybe they've even got in the past and as you said i mean this tournament just continues to grow in popularity and grow in prestige and talent level so with it, Syracuse is getting some better teams, or Bayheim's Army is getting some better teams. And I'm really more excited than I have been for any of these TBT tournaments. I think it's also just our thirst for live sports a little bit, too. Right. I mean, even I mean, when you talk about the ratings, and I'll, I'll get to one of the other teams that Syracuse could play in a second, but think about this past golf tournament that you and I were both locked into the television yes. from Thursday <laughs> through Sunday for. Those brutal I mean, lip outs at the end. No, yeah. No Tiger Woods in a golf tournament. And it still did one and a half times the numbers it did from a year ago for the same exact Charles Schwab tournament. People want live sports right now, and TBT is going to give it to them. So that there, there's going to be very good ratings, especially amongst college basketball fans for this TBT. The people who are on the fence for this tournament, they're going to be all in on it this year. So. The other, the other team that they could face is Heartfire, which is mostly made up of Baylor alums, Quincy Miller, Tweedy Carter, Isaiah Austin, I think is the, the big name out of there. If you remember Isaiah Austin, he was on Baylor. He, he looked like he was going to be a first-round pick, and then Not the Yale had, transfer, right? What was his name? Mason no. that made everything against uh, Mackay Ma- Mackay Mason. Yeah. No, no Mackay Mason on this okay, team. Okay, good. <laughs> but... They, they're going to, or uh, getting back to Isaiah Austin, he, he had a disease that prevented him from going pro, but oh, that's he, right, he still yeah. has bounced around in the professional ranks. He, he couldn't go to the NBA because of it, but he's bounced around in other professional leagues cool. outside yeah. of that. And they're also mixed in with some MSU guys, Michigan State, that is as well, Brandon Wood, Brandon Dawson. So they've got a nice little flair and, and they were on. I can't remember the exact team name they were on. I think it was Loyalty is Love was the team that they were on last year. Okay. And Isaiah Austin and Quincy Miller at least were on that team. And, and they made a little bit of a run last year too. They got further than Syracuse. They got out of their pods. So they're a team that could give a little trouble. And then, of course, there's the chemistry of Men of Mackey where, I mean, they're, they're Matt Painter away on the sidelines from this being a team that was in the Elite Eight in 2018 so or 2019. Yeah. So and they play they, together. They have the they, chemistry. That's invaluable to have that because I think you could kind of tell in the past that some of these guys. That's a challenge when you bring all these star players together, especially guy, this year when you're not going to get a lot of practice time. I mean, we yeah. talk about that with football and basketball in terms of the real college sports that we're looking for this year. But I mean, when you're literally picking guys up off right. the streets who. You don't know how much basketball or what kind of shape these guys are in right now. Yeah, it's tough because they definitely have the most talented team, but it's not a great year to just coast off talent. And it's really not that great of a tournament to have just talent because 
you know, it's all about playing together, and you hope that maybe they can get some time to practice together. I know they're arriving five days before to do the testing and make sure everything's straight on that end, but I worry about, like, a Malachi Richardson or Tyler Lydon. You know, some guys in the past that have joined the team, I don't want to, like, call people out, but I've been like, ah, I thought they'd be a little bit more impactful than they were. They just didn't play as much, and... For whatever reason, some like Devendorf is just great in this tournament every year. Right. And despite being one of the older guys in the tournament. Yeah. I mean he's so, a coach now. He's a coach. He's, he's literally he's not yeah. playing basketball. Yeah. Right. We we At should, least not organized basketball. Right. Maybe we'll have to try and get him back on because he was so great uh the first time we had him on the pod in, in preparation for this. But anyway, I, I think talent is definitely high on this year's team, but it's gonna be a tougher first round draw. So all these games are gonna be tight. They're gonna be Frankly, kind of nerve-wracking, and they have that great ending, which is what makes this the tournament Elam so ending, fun. Yep. Yeah, yeah. If you if you forgot about how great the Elam ending is, think about this past year's NBA All Star game. Yeah, which was probably the most entertaining All Star game. Right, and it of ended in the worst way possible for the Elam. Right, ending. it was a free <laughs> exactly. Throw. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, from Giannis, it could only so. get better than that. Yeah. Just to to close out here, I just wanted to tell you how my thoughts on TBT yeah, have yeah. developed. These past couple years, I remember the first year TBT was in session and a buddy of mine told me about it. He said, yeah, there's this basketball tournament and they're playing for a million dollars. And I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> like, Granted, mm-hmm. I don't think there was really much of a way to watch it back then. You just kind of had to figure it out. And I mean, maybe they had some live streams of it on, on YouTube or, or a different streaming service, but it wasn't on ESPN. And then ESPN picked it up, and you're thinking, okay, th- this thing has a little more legitimacy to it. Um, and then you're starting to see a bunch of these alumni teams form, and it just kept growing and growing. And now you're at the point where, I mean, I've talked about this with Kevin Belby in the past too, where a lot of these guys, especially NBA guys, they have a choice between going to the big three or going and playing in TBT. And two years ago, a year ago, whatever, these guys were picking the big three. Now and now TBT. you're looking at a guy like yeah. Joe Johnson, who was a a big-time NBA player, an all-star. I mean, I loved Joe Johnson as a, an NBA player. When he was with the Hawks, when he was with the Nets, he was awesome. And this guy won MVP of the big three was the, on the championship team. And I mean, maybe it's COVID related. I don't know, but he's saying, nah, I'm, I'm going to pass. I'm going to go and play for overseas elite in TBT. And you are getting NBA all-stars to participate in this. I mean, Syracuse four first round picks on their roster. Joe Johnson's in this thing. I know Nate Robinson was supposed to be in this thing, but I don't think his team ended up getting picked, but that would have been another big-time name for this thing. And now they're playing for $2 million a year. Now, this year's a million dollars because uh, of everything going on in the world. But this was a tournament that would have been played for $2 million this year if everything was right in the world right now. So that's just how much this has grown from a a tournament that I wanted to shrug off and could not have cared less about. And now it is the thing I am... I mean, with the way baseball's working out right now, this is the thing I'm looking forward to most for the next month and a half. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you completely. It's a pretty inspirational story. I got to interview John Bugar, who's the founder of this We should tournament. get John on the show sometime. Yeah, we should. Because, you know, for those that haven't heard his story, maybe I won't spoil it entirely in case we get him, but 
it's really, I mean, he was writing like a comedy show and he just always sort of put in a group chat with his buddies. Like they fantasized about this tournament. How could we imagine if everyone played for a million dollars, $2 million, like a pickup tournament. And then he just dropped everything one day, had an epiphany and did it. And like, talk about the ultimate chasing your dream story. Who else was, I mean, imagine what he was telling his family when he said, I'm going to leave my job and start this basketball tournament and I'm going to just put a million dollars on it. Where are you going to get that money? Like just amazing that he has built it to what it is today. And then obviously Nate Elam emails him with all the work and the data that shows why he thinks this ending is more fun, why it doesn't drag out the game. And I mean, I kind of buy into the Elam ending philosophy a little bit because how many times have you watched a game where your team's down by like six and you're just waiting until the buzzer comes before you go to the bar or something and you don't want to give up on your team, but you know that these free throws are just going to be a formality. It never really ends up actually working where the yeah, stop and, and, and the, the game's supposed to end at nine and then it ends up yeah. ending at nine forty five because then that of other game and fouls and everything. Back. It's it's really I mean, if you could restart basketball tomorrow and you just drop some aliens down and said, what's a better ending? I really think the Elam ending is better. I mean, maybe I wouldn't have it end on a free throw. That was kind of anticlimactic in the All-Star game, but it was still awesome in the All-Star game. So I don't know. I I think the ending stuff, it would never actually change at the highest of level, and I think that would cause a stir. I agree, yeah. But it's, it's fun to have this tournament that has that sort of... I mean, they also did the bracket thing, which is now transferred to march madness they kind of copied that so they're they've kind of been a trendsetter a little bit and they have a cool identity to the tournament now yeah and i think the thing with them is their openness to change they realize they have to be different in some sort of regard if they want to stand out and they're open to change elam ending perfect example of that and it's been a huge hit and i'm really looking forward to it all right that's going to do it for today's episode of the locked on syracuse podcast again we're with you every single day here on the podcast for tim leonard i'm tyler rocky be sure to go check out the locked on acc podcast once you're done with this show and we will talk to you again tomorrow